Ever quit a job? Ever redefine yourself within one? Ever started something in one big or failed? Quit is a call-in show, hopefully helping people sort out their lives, reevaluate their options, kick their crummy corporate stooge jobs to the curb, and start something awesome. I'm Dan Benjamin. It's time to quit. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. As you know, this is a live show. And that means if you're listening live, which you can do by going to 5x5.tv slash live, or by searching for 5x5 in the app store, we've got two apps in there. One of them you pay for gets push notifications. One of them you don't pay for, you don't get push notifications, but both of them let you listen to the show live. And yeah, that probably should have been an in-app purchase. What are you going to do? Hindsight. 2020. 2020. That's Danielle Moser. How are you, Danielle? I'm doing well. How are you, Dan? It's your first time back. Last time we did, uh, you weren't here. Last time, two two times. Last two, two times? times? I, oh, because one, I had the uh, the guest or something, and you he, couldn't you couldn't be here the second time or something. Yeah, like that. there was something. You had to go to some wedding. Yeah. Some fancy wedding. It was intense. Good thing that's over with. Gosh, yeah. Seriously. We have a sponsored Squarespace. I'll tell you about them later. Squarespace.com. We also want to say thanks to our bandwidth sponsor. Whole month is Cashfly. C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y. Cashfly. They provide our CDN, which makes downloading of these shows very fast. They also are a CDN for all of our images. You know, I forget to mention that. All of the images on the 5x5 site fly right through. The uh, fly right through their CDN. So if you want a site and you want to make it fast... Go check them out, Cashfly, C-A-C-H-E, F-L-Y. We're going to be talking about sales. We're going to be talking about the world of sales. We're going to be talking about it specifically. This is not, you know, I said we're going to be talking about Glengarry Glen Ross. Mm-hmm. And I said that in the context of setting the, the right tone for the world of sales. Mm-hmm. And the world, because listen, people are like, oh, sales, I don't care about that. I'm an iOS developer. You're exactly that. You should absolutely care about that. Well, I just want to build good websites and run a cool design company. You should absolutely pay attention to this because your business will fail. Let me say that again. Your business will fail unless you sell. Well, I don't really have to sell. I work with other people and they come to me. Your business will fail. If you don't know how to sell. I don't like sales. I don't really want to be in sales. Find a different line of work then. Go work for a company. Man, the sales, the world of sales though, Daniel, is, you know, this movie, Glengarry Glen Ross, there's a famous speech. So this thing was a play first. Mm-hmm. By David Mamet. Thank you. Mamat. Mamat. I have no idea. How to say no, I'm not sure. And... This the, when they when they when they remade this as a movie, they got out. They wrote this special piece just for Alec Baldwin to play, mm-hmm. and this is what people know about the movie. So most people who haven't seen the movie, they they've probably still seen or heard this speech from Alec Baldwin in this movie, and and this is the amazing thing about this is. And I've shown this to people. I've, been, I've had a number of sales jobs and I've worked as a like, a like a sales engineer technology guy for sales departments. And there are some lines in this that 
are so reminiscent of things that people actually said to me and to the other salespeople. I'm sure that there are wonderful places to work in sales where everyone's just, they're happy and they're all, you know, they have a little quota maybe and they just are a little commission. But that's not what real sales is like. Real sales is figuring out that thing that you made or that service you want to deliver, how do I get this person who's sitting across from me with a checkbook to, to, to write that check? And there's so many great quotes from this, this talk that Alec Baldwin gives. It's seven minutes long, this talk. So I'm not going to be able to play the whole thing. I probably could play the whole thing. And you know what? I could play this whole thing and it would be seven minutes that people would all thank me for because they'd get to hear Alec instead of me and he's better. But there are certain segments of this talk that are so good and so important. So let me, let me set the stage for this in case uh, people don't, don't know what this is because I'm going to play a little bit of this. And you know what I think I'm going to – what I'm going to do is I am going to play the whole seven minutes for the live folks. Cool. The people, when this thing gets mixed down – They'll just hear it. It'll be all cut up. It'll be really nice. So if you're listening to this as a podcast, which most people are, then it's just going to sound really well edited and everything else. But if you're going to listen live, you're going to get to hear the whole thing. So let me set the stage for what this is. You've got a bunch of guys, all but one of whom, Ricky Roma, all but one of whom are unable to close anything. They're unable to sell anything. And what are they selling? They're essentially, they're selling probably crappy real estate. And they're trying to sell it to people who are, you know, filled out some form and now they're getting cold called. And these guys are so smarmy and slimy and pushy. They're, they're worse than used car salesmen. You know what I mean? Where they draw that little grid with the four numbers in it and they point at the different numbers and they see which one you look at, which one you talk about, and that's the one they go for. That old technique that everybody should know about before you buy a car. These guys are worse than that. And they're coming, they come over to people's, like they go over to your houses and they sit down with you and they try and sell you. And that's called, Alec Baldwin refers to this as a sit. Alec Baldwin's character does not work at this office. Alec, uh, Alec Baldwin works directly with Mitch and Murray. He's here from downtown. Downtown, this is not the downtown office. This is a secondary office. These guys can't close anything except Ricky. Ricky's in line to win the Cadillac, see? But you got Alec Baldwin who's been sent down, as he says, on a mission of mercy to try and this is this is his motivational talk. Mm-hmm. Now, I have been told and I can't I can't say who told me this, but I've been told that there are companies who will show people this scene from this movie. In order to motivate them to be better salespeople. And I'll tell you what. When you're selling, I remember this. There was a guy that I knew, and he was a uh, he was a, what do call it? like an investment uh, broker guy. So you'd come to him with your money and say, "I want to invest in some stuff," and he'd pick stocks, he'd pick funds, things like that for you. And I remember him telling me that, and I met him shortly after his downfall or one of his many downfalls. That he had a, the biggest office on the floor. It was a corner office. It was an all window office, and he was having a great quarter. And the next quarter wasn't so good. Guess what? They kicked him out of the office and they put him down into a cube because he had a bad quarter, even though he'd been the king of that floor for years. Wow. Bad quarter. This is a guy who's he's in his 50s. 
He's a pro at this stuff, but that's, you, you're not, you're not, you're, you have no value when you can't sell. So people are like, well, what does this have to do with me? I just, I'm a usability guy and I just want to go out and work because you need to understand that every single time that you go to a meeting with somebody, every single time, not the first time that you're going to try and pitch something where you're trying to convince the, that person with the checkbook that they should say yes to your proposal. Not that time, but every single time that you send an email, every single time that you send an IM, every single time that you have a phone call or an in-person meeting, you're selling. And if you don't look at it that way, number one, you're being naive. And number two, you're probably not getting the work that you deserve. You have to look at this, all of this, as an opportunity to sell. And if you don't like that, then find somebody else who can work with you who does like that and let them do it for you or go work at a company. Mm-hmm. There is not a single opportunity out there. I'm sorry, that's the wrong word. There's not a single situation out there where you, you shouldn't be able to take the opportunity to, to sell something. Gary Vaynerchuk calls this hustling. He calls it hustling. That's what he means. He's talking about making things happen. That's all sales. No, you don't need to be a super high energy person like Gary Vaynerchuk. He has more energy than anybody should. You don't need to have that kind of energy to make a sale. You can do it in a, I've seen, I've, one of the best sales guys I ever met was super calm. He cared, but he was never pressuring anybody. These guys in this video, they pressure people. So I'm going to play some of this, uh, this talk, which I'll put into the show notes right now. Show notes are going to be at 5x5.tv slash quit slash 27. You can go there and watch this video. And I highly recommend, I'll also put into the show notes if you haven't watched this already, you can get it on Amazon. You can get it on, I think it's free on Netflix if you're streaming. Mm-hmm. Yep. We got it on Netflix last night. That's a, that's a great way to watch it. But if you want to buy it because it's a, a good piece, you can do that. Own it. So I'm going to play this whole thing. And you got to remember the scene. It's a rainy night. Alec Baldwin shows up. Nobody knows who he is. Now there's going to be some cursing in this. So if you get little kids with you, put the earmuffs on. Down. And he shows up and this is his motivational talk where he's talking to people about trying to motivate them to sell more. And when they talk about these leads, the Glenn Gary leads, see, they've got, these guys all say they got crappy leads. But if his point is, if you're a good salesman, yeah, no, there is no such thing as a crappy lead. All right. So this is him, Alec Baldwin about that sale you shot some son of a bitch don't want to buy land somebody don't want what you're selling some broad you're trying to screw so forth let's talk about something important are they all here all but one but i'm going anyway Let- okay so now in the background there's a whole bunch of uh there's a whole bunch of, of guys in this room there's four or five different guys in this room and if you you got to imagine this it's late at night these guys are all sitting around waiting for people to get home from their jobs so that they can start cold calling them. How horrible is that? These guys are just sitting there waiting. And then it's at night. It's at night in the rain. And they've got to go out in the rain and drive around and call people from pay phones. This is pre-cell phone days. Mm -hmm. Jack Lemon plays uh, Shelly the Machine Levine, who is essentially, he's now a washed up sales guy who maybe one day was great. 
I'm going to play a clip from him. It's the same uh, clip that Merlin put up on, on his site, Kung Fu Grip, which is one of, one of the best cold calls you're ever going to hear. Mm-hmm. Before we do that, let's, let's talk it. about something important. So meanwhile, Shelly's walking to the back to get some coffee. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. All right, so you got Shelly in the back who's standing there. These guys, you got to understand the way sales works. You, you don't really have a boss in sales. If you're in an all sales, you don't really have a boss. You're responsible usually for making a quota or just for selling stuff. And there's, there's somebody who's going to sign your paychecks and somebody who's going to say, you're out of here if you don't sell. But you don't have a boss in the traditional sense of like, uh, I'm going to need to take this day off. It's, it's just expected that you're going you're gonna to make sales. It's just expected that you're going to be working. It's just expected that you're going to get out there and do this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's a very independent job. Not a lot of people like that, you know? It's a very, you're very much on your own. Now, you may have some resources, but it's amazing what with the same resources, what one person can do and sell something. I can, here's the thing. I can sell anything. I was very, very, very good whenever I had to sell something. Doing the actual work later, I was not always that good at, which is why I would wind up hiring other people to do it. Mm-hmm. But I could sell anything. Put me in front of somebody and they, they would tell me yes. And I think some people are just good at this and they like it. And other, you know who else is really good at sales? Merlin. I believe that. Very good. Mm-hmm. Better than me. Mm-hmm. And I've seen him do it and it's amazing. He has a completely different approach. Your name's Levine. Yeah. You call yourself a salesman, you son of a I don't gotta listen to this You certainly don't, pal. Because the good news is you're fired. The bad news is you've got all you've got just one week to regain your job, starting with tonight. This is such, this is such the guy culture. It is such a, a male-dominated, male-centric, you know... I'm bigger than you are kind of a kind of a thing that goes on in these. And this is real. People would look at this and they'll say, oh, it's not really like it's really like this. Mm-hmm. It's really like this. You go into a, a room full of sales guys who are sitting in their cubes and you get the sales manager walk out. And on Friday when they have their stand up, this is exactly what goes on in here. This is exactly the kind of negative reinforcement behavior that never it never works. Making people feel afraid, motivating them by demotivating them. It's crazy. Because we're adding a little something to this month's sales contest. As you all know, first prize is a Cadillac Eldorado. Anybody want to see second prize? Second prize is a set of steak knives. Third prize is you're fired. Okay, now something to keep in mind. Good sales jobs are 100% commission. Mm-hmm. They're not walking home with a paycheck if they don't sell. You can't rest. You can't rest. Uh, there are some sales jobs where, oh, you'll get, you know, a nominal amount, a little bit. But when you're, when you're there, you have to sell. If you don't sell, you're not making anything. Mm-hmm. So they have these stupid incentives. They always have these incentives. And this is a whole different world than selling for yourself. I'm going to bridge. I will bridge the gap. I promise. I'll bridge the gap. You've got leads. Mitch and Murray paid good money. Get their names to sell them. You can't close the leads you're given. You can't close shit. You are shit. Hit the bricks, pal, and beat it, because you are going out. 
The leads are weak. The leads are weak. The f***ing leads are weak. You're weak. I've been in this business 15 years. What's your name? you. That's my name. You know why, mister? Because you drove a Hyundai to get here tonight. I drove an $80,000 BMW. That's my name. Okay. That's actually enough of this. Here's the thing. That is exactly the kind of, now I'm getting email. That is exactly the kind of thing, that kind of intimidation, that kind of browbeating, that kind of, oh, you're not selling, you're nothing. You're not selling, you're nothing. When I first started out, I was uh, on my own. I was doing software development. I had my own little software consulting company. So I was there, I was writing, writing code. And I found very quickly that I had to spend a tremendous amount of my own time not writing code. I've talked about this before. Not writing code, but selling. And the selling, for me, I, I enjoyed it. But it was a, such a completely different kind of mindset. And there, you know what? I know that there are people who are sitting out there who are so talented and they're so smart, you know, and they're just – everything just works for them and people just hand them business. That was never the case for me. And, you know, you, you, look, at, you look at like the Studio Neat folks, okay? The Studio Neat, Neat folks make some really good products. But they're out there selling and promoting this stuff constantly. You don't, you don't know it because the way that they go out about it, they're not, they're not out there peddling it. But they're, they're always advertising. They're trying to do interviews. You cannot exist in a vacuum. You can't. You just can't exist in a vacuum. You can't say, I'm going to make something awesome and people will come. You cannot do that. There are very few people who can do that. Mm -hmm. Very, very few people who can do that. Now, if you make something great and you don't have a channel to promote it, you have to buy a channel to promote it. You can buy an ad here. That's a good channel. You can go to the deck. Jim Kudal's the deck. And you can get a, a spot there and get it on great websites. You know? You can, there's tons and tons of opportunities to sponsor stuff. But you have to do that. If you're not a salesperson and you have a product, you have to do that. When you go in and you start talking to somebody, I remember a long time ago, I worked for a, uh, a hosting company and I wanted us to partner with another company that did a service that would have been, I can't go into detail, a service that would have been valuable to our customers. And when you go into a situation like that, you're, you're not just sitting there saying, oh, maybe our two products could work together. You're selling them. To be successful in business, I propose that you need to be able to sell and you need to be able to sell constantly. You need to always, and here's the quote, ABC, always be closing. Mm -hmm. That's not a joke. Closing, by the way, if you're, if you're unfamiliar with this term, is closing the deal. They would have people who would say, oh, you know what? You know, Frank isn't going to do regular calls anymore. He's a closer. You ever been to, Daniel, you ever bought a car? I personally have never bought a car. Okay. I was present when my car was purchased. Though. Okay. When you, when you go in to buy a car, there's two and sometimes even three levels of salespeople. Mm -hmm. And this is all orchestrated and it's all set up for a specific reason. And, and that reason is so that nobody can ever give you a straight answer about anything. So here's how this works. 
And if you've ever bought a car, you know exactly what I'm, I'm about to describe. You go into the dealership and there's a guy. Now, they have names for these different people. I don't remember all of them. But you walk in and, and as soon as you walk up, the, the person that sees you first, and I'm gonna, probably going to say guy because it's usually a, a dude. A guy's going to see you and he's going to make a beeline for you because that means you're his now. You're his lead, if you will. Well, what are you looking for today? Anything specific? Anything I can share around? Oh, no, just looking around and want to walk around the lot. Okay, take your time. I'll be right out here. You, you know, my, name, my name's Frank. You just give me a holler and I'll, uh, I'll be sure to help you. No, we don't pressure anybody here. So just, you know, take your time. You will come back another day. It's fine. Take your time. I'll be right here. Then he stands there and he watches you. And you walk around and you look at different cars. And as you're looking at cars, he glances up and says, oh, Camry. Okay. Then when you walk back over, oh, boy, those new Camrys sure are pretty nice, aren't they? Did you see that one out there with the leather? Get any one of them leather if you want it. Why don't we come on in? We'll talk. I'll show you what we got. I remember one time I was looking to, uh, to buy a car. And uh, I was in there. And uh, we, uh, my wife and I were looking at the cars and we looked and we were like, okay, well, we know exactly the, the car and the model and the customizations that we want. So we went through the whole process, let the guy bring us in. And then what they do is they bring in and, and they usually have like a, an open air space with lots of little tables with three chairs at all the tables. The three chairs because it's always a, a, a man and a woman and then the salesperson sits there. Now, if you're at a nicer place, maybe they have a little alcove that they can put you in. But usually it's just the big open space and you sit there. And, and he sits down with us and he's like, oh, what do you want? And I said, well, we were really just coming to, to look at the, the car in person. But this is, the, this is the vehicle I want with these options. I hand him a sheet of paper. It was all written down. And he said, well, is that the one you, you were looking at out there? And I said, no, these are the options that I would want. Can you give me a price on this? Well, why don't we go take one of them for a test drive? So that's stage two. They want to get you into one for a test drive. Mm -hmm. What you may have in mind, now I'm not talking about the high-end places like the Audi or BMW where you, they just order your car and you wait for it. I'm talking about regular people cars. And what they then, then they want to get you to drive one. So you go back out to the lot. Which one do you want to see? Oh, we'll see this one. So I said, you know what? I said, it doesn't really matter which one you show me. As long as it's an automatic V6, that's fine. I just want to see how it drives. And he looked at me like I was a little crazy, but he said, all right. So I took that for a test drive and it was fine. So you go back in. All right. Well, let me have that car pulled around. We can get it washed for you. I'm like, there's no reason for you to do that. I'm not buying that car. Well, uh, would you, did you want one with different options? So, well, here's the options that I'm looking for. You were very straightforward with it. Well, here's the thing. They don't want to order one for you. They want to sell you what's in their inventory. The high-end fancy places, though, they want to order whatever you want. They don't care. And you know what? You're going to wait four or six weeks. You don't care. Regular people, they want to get you in that car. What can I do to get you in a car today, Mr. Benjamin? What can I do to get you in a car today? This is real. This is what they, this is what they say to you. And I, and I said to him, literally, I said, there's absolutely nothing you could possibly say to me that would get me into a car today. Now, he thinks I'm playing hardball with him. There's literally nothing he, he could say. There's nothing. I already know sticker prices. I already know monthly payments based on that. I can get my own loan from the bank or I can go with their loan. It doesn't matter. There's absolutely nothing he could do that would 
incentivize the situation enough to make me get a car that day. He hates me already. And I said, do you have a car with the options? That you? Well, I don't know. I said, what do you mean you don't know? He said, well, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Did you see one out there that you liked? I said, the one I like is the one with these options. Do you have one? Well, I, we, don't, uh, we don't know what our in- inventory is. I said, really? You don't know what car is on your lot? No. I said, is there someone here that does know? No, no one actually knows exactly. You just got to go find, you know, find one you like. And I said, you mean to say that there's no computer system that has an inventory list of what's on your lot? Nope. No computers know that. Well, at the time, you know, I was doing a lot of web-based database-driven applications. Mm -hmm. They absolutely know exactly what's on their lot at all times. At any given moment of any given day, there's a person in the booth that could tell you exactly what they have. So... I said, well, if you, if you can't look it up and tell me if that's the car that you, you know, do you have that car on, on the lot, then I, I probably can't buy a car from you guys because this is the one I want with it. Can you, can you just order it? And he's like, no, we can't order it. I said, well, I think we're done then. And we stood up and walked out. And they're supposed to let you get to a certain point in the hall before they run after you. And this, and he runs after you. This is all, this is like they walk you through the scenarios. He runs after you. He's like, well, c- c- come on back, talk. I'm sure we can put together a deal. I'm like, listen, I just wanted to know if you had this car on the lot. And you didn't. We wound up buying a car from a different manufacturer that didn't play those games. This is normal for them. This is just a regular day for them. I remember there was another time that I went into, a, a, this was the same time period. I went into a different dealership before this one to buy the same car and I did the same thing. I said, this is the car I want. These are the options that I want. Do you have it? And they're like, we don't have it here at our dealership, but we've got one down in South Florida. We're going to drive up the car. I said, I really don't want a car with 250 miles on it that I didn't put on myself. All right, we can, we can get it up here on a truck. We'll bring it up here on a truck. I said, okay, but I'm still going to want to, you know, look at it first. Well, that's all right. We do trades, inventory trades with them all the time. I said, okay. So a few days later, they said, okay, your car's here, ready to go. I said, all right, I'll come out and see it. Completely different options than the, the ones that I wanted. And I had to leave, and the dude's like, oh, let, you know what? We can change out these seats for you. We can swap the seats with it. It's just, it's, it's insanity. And the, but this is where the people with sales come from. They come from a, a standpoint of desperation, and that desperation is caused by the fear that's created by these kinds of meetings. By the fact that these guys are, are making commission, and if they don't sell you that car, you know, they're not your friend. These people are not your friend. They're your enemy. I remember back when I had a, a fancy uh, BMW, you know, 10-something years ago. When I went in to buy that car, the guy was, it was a totally different situation. This is before we had kids. This is when, you know, I had a job, real job. And... I walked into the dealership and the guy was just walking around, hand me his card. He says, I'm, you know, whatever his name was, he's, you know, can, let me know if you see something you want or you want to take a test drive. I said, oh, I'd love to test drive a three series. It's all right. And he went and, and one was brought around. He didn't ask me what color. He didn't say what options do you just brought one out. And said, let's test drive this one. And I test drove it. It was nice. I said, all right, I'd like to get one. 
He said, all right, do you want to do that now or do you want to you know, think about it and call me back? I said, all right, I'll think about it. I'll come back next week. He said, all right. Next week, come back. He's in there. I said, all right, let's talk about the options. He said, all right, because, you know, we have, uh, he's like, everything on our lot's pretty much sold. It's sold by the time it gets to the lot. They're not trying to push inventory on you. They're lucky to get the car that you want. So I told him what the options were that I wanted. And he said, okay, it'll take, you know, four to six weeks to get here. I said, all right, let's talk about the price. He's like, well, that is the price. I'm like, there's no room for negotiation. He's like, no, no, that's the price. Now, maybe that's because I was 10 years younger than I am now. But you couldn't get one of those cars at that dealership because they were pre-sold when they got there. Mm-hmm. So that's a completely different approach. That's actually a better approach when you're trying to price and sell your own stuff. This is how much my work costs. And, you know, there's people who will tell you, like, don't lower your prices. There's people who will say, oh, no, you've got to, you've got to stick to, to your guns and you've got to have, you know, pay, you, you need to get paid what you're worth. And you're worth 150 bucks an hour. And that's what you need to get. I think it's complete and total BS. When I st- was starting out, I would take any project for any amount of money. I I'd worked way too hard and way too long for way too little for the first six months of starting my own business. I didn't care. I needed to make some money and I needed to have projects and work that I could show off. And it was awful, but I had to do it. No, you need to make 150 an hour. You can, you know, you fire that client, fire that client. Yeah, that's great when you're like known and famous, you know, that's, you know, that's fine for Dan Cedarome. There you go. But when, when you're just starting out and I love Dan, I'm just kidding. When you're just starting out though, you have to take whatever you possibly can get. Now that doesn't mean that you can't explain this to the people. You say, well, I'm just starting out. This is one of my first big projects. I'm going to charge you a lot less than I normally would because I really need a great project like this one, and I'm so excited to get it. Now, you don't want to give too much away about how desperate you are. But it, it, being honest in that way, it, it helps keep things clear. It helps keep things straightforward. Thank you, Daniel, for putting that in the notes. All right. I'm going to play one more thing that I'm going to do a sponsor. This is a quote. This is a little snippet. We're talking about closing. Jack Lemon is in the process of doing a sales call here. He's doing a cold call. This is the same quote Merlin. This is why it's great. I'll just link to Merlin's site because he linked this because he and I have been talking about Glengarry for a while. Listen, listen to this. Listen to the way this guy sells. This is the machine Levine at work here. Hello, this is Sheldon Levine. Please listen closely. I only have a moment or so. I can speak only to a Mrs. Nyborg. 
Oh, this is Mrs. Nyborg. Please listen closely, Mrs. Nyborg. I'm calling from Consolidated Properties of Arizona. Our computer has chosen you from all of the many thousands who write in requesting information on our properties. Now, by federal law, as you probably know, the prize must be awarded to you even if you are not engaged in our land development plan. The only stipulation, of course, is that you and your husband must sign at the same time for the receipt of your prize. Now, I will be in the area tonight, and possibly tomorrow. What do you think might be a convenient time to meet with both you and your husband? Of course I'll go. All right. So this is this old-fashioned kind of sales stuff. <laughs> this never happens anymore. Nobody, nobody talks like that. Nobody sells like that. Now everything's at hand. Hands up. Boo. You need some? You come get me. Come get I'll be right here. We don't pressure you. We're not going to pressure you to do anything. And anytime it's it's so funny because anytime that I've ever walked into a sales dealership, you know, car dealership, whatever, where you're dealing with a salesperson. So the last time that I bought uh, not my car, but but the other car that we have, I went in there and the guy that came up to me started talking. You can just see you can just see when they, they start their script, you know. And I said, I just looked at him, I smiled, and I said, I've been doing sales for 15 years. And his, his whole demeanor changed. Everything changed. He no longer tried to sell me on anything. He no longer tried to, to it, it, everything changed about it. And he's like, okay, here's the price for the car. We can do whatever, 800 over invoice. It was like, that was it. We were done. And I said, how about 600? He said, all right, we were done. It, it was amazing. Like you broke the spell. Right. Because he knew. And when he, and after I told him that, he looked me in the eye and there was this moment of recognition of like, oh, okay. This isn't, this, let's just be straight. You guys did the secret right. salesman handshake. And, you know, the way, the way that you sell something when you're selling your own service, it's, it's funny because back when I started this, it was, it was terrible to be like a one person company. Like it was, you could not get work. You could not get anything. And now that's, that's everywhere. That's everything. Freelancers are everywhere. People doing their own thing. One, two, three person shop. There's everything now. That's everywhere you look. That's everywhere you go. But 10 something years ago, no way. 10 something years ago, you had to look like a big company. All of the text on your website had to say we. Not I. And I was picking on Dan Cedarone before. He was one of the first people. And he actually, I think, was responsible, along with some other people, of completely changing the way people thought about this. He came out and he, he, everything was I, me. You know, I, I am a one-person design shop. Sometimes he would say I'm a tiny one-person design shop. You know, he played it totally the other way. You get me working for you for a period of time. And to be able to sell stuff that you make for someone else, it's so important. Now, you know, some people I know, I know a guy that has a, a website. It's a big website. They do millions of uniques a month. He cannot sell anything. He could not sell anything if his life depended on it. He couldn't sell. 
He has people selling for him. And he knows this. He knows that he has, and the people that he has selling for them do really great work. You know, we sell for podcasts that are not on 5x5. We sell for podcasts that are on 5x5, and we sell for our own stuff. And doing that, when you have something good to sell, it's a very easy job. When you're trying to sell crappy real estate like they they are, you know, it's, it's darn near impossible. When, you have, when you're selling something you believe in, when you're selling something that's great, we had a guy call in a couple weeks ago uh, who was like, I don't believe in our product anymore. You remember that one, Danielle, like three or four weeks ago? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Saying he didn't like the stuff he was selling. Yeah. To be able to go out there and try to sell something you don't believe is great. I remember one time a guy came into our office. I was running the IT group at the time. I was like an IT manager and he came in to sell printers. They used to come in and send the guy to sell printers. He would like come up and he'd have like a little binder and a little portfolio with pictures of the printer in it. And then they would like try to sell you on a printer. And they would hound you emails and phone calls, emails and phone calls to come in and try and sell you a printer. $1,200 printer. Guy would spend weeks trying to close that deal for a $1,200 printer. This is before Amazon and, you know, Best Buy on every single corner. And, you know, you'd have these giant copier printer beasts in the big offices. And I'd say, you know, look, I don't really know if this is the printer that we want because we're, you know, we have lots of little offices here and people want their own printers for small work groups. Well, yeah, but you don't understand this big printer is going to handle all that and more. It's going to save you on toner. You know, and then they'd work up some things saying, well, if you had three inkjet printers and one laser printer, this printer will save you 14 cents a week. Okay, I mean, good, like 14 cents a week after it's paid off in eight years. Mm-hmm. All right, I, you're saying I have to do a sponsor now. Look at that, you even put the, char- the characters' names, the actors' names in here. Alan Arkin, what a good, uh, he's great. He's awesome. Did you like the movie? Did you watch it last I night? I really enjoyed had it. Had you seen it before? I had not. I'd only ever seen the Alec Baldwin yeah. bit. So I was a little dismayed to see that he didn't, you know, continue. He, right. That's his only movie. thing. That's like his part. Um, but the other guys is, is amazing. It was shot amazingly. Uh, David Mamet, who did the um, who did the play, he did the screenplay and um, just lighting was incredible. I, I, I Would you characterize it as, as a, a happy movie? Oh, not uh, not at all. No. Um, Who's your favorite character in that movie? Uh, my favorite was Ricky. Yeah, Ricky's the best. He's, I mean, yeah, everyone always awesome. says Alec Baldwin, who's great, but... Yeah. But it's all about Ricky. Ricky Roma. Ricky Roma. And he's what, he gets the best monologues. He does. He has that great, like... Manipu- it's like deep-seated manipulation. He just comes so naturally mm-hmm. to him, you know. With Here's that, a good. You know what? I know. I, I know. I got to do a sponsor, Daniel. All right. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do a sponsor first. So I'm gonna play something from Ricky Roma, Al Pacino, as you know him. Mm-hmm. We had a good call with Matt last week, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very good. Very good interview. I like that guy. He's coming back. That's what I hear. Can't say too much. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Listen, Squarespace is big time now. You know, it's not two guys. They really are a we. It's not two guys in in an apartment. I've been to their office. It's beautiful. 
They, the main thing that they focus on is just making things easier for you when you want to make a website. They make things easier for you. And we don't worry, we're going to do calls. Don't get nervous. Squarespace.com, I'm going to give you 10% off with the, with the code STOOGE6, S-T-O-O-G-E-6. You go there, you sign up, you're going to get a free trial. You can import the content from your existing website, especially if you use one of the main blogging systems out there. You can import the content directly from your own site. You don't have to like export it and import it. Squarespace will talk to your own server or your own service and import all of that stuff. But man, like the, the stuff you're posting, Danielle, the interviews that we're doing with the hosts on the 5x5 blog, those things look so good and you can embed the images, you can embed the videos you can do. And you don't know HTML and CSS well enough to do this. Mm-mm. You're just dragging and dropping around. Just dragging and dropping. It's so easy. It's so fun. So like, it nice. Looks great. Yeah. And the way the things that they have integrated, it's so cool. I mean, it's all got the responsive design, which you have to have. Mm-hmm. Nothing's worse than going to a site on your pay on your on your phone and it redirects you to m.site.com which is never what I want ever. Mm-mm. I just want the same site with the same URLs to just look really good. Nothing is worse in, in, in this space when somebody wants to send you a link and you know what? They're reading Twitter on their phone and they're like, Oh, somebody asked about this USB charger. I know I'm going to go to, to this site where, and get a link for them. And the site, of course, it's going to detect that they're on a mobile platform. And then they're going to get that URL and they're going to paste that URL into Twitter and send it to me. I'm going to say, oh, thanks for sending it. I'm going to click it on my desktop machine and it's going to be m.site.com. And the URL is going to be wrong and it's going to have those crappy images all scaled wrong. And it's not going to look like the regular site. So now I have to go up to URL, I have to delete the m.whatever, or I have to try and guess what URL scheme they're going to be using to make everything look good. Back the way it should. Responsive design, you don't have to worry about that. One site looks good everywhere, one URL built into all their templates. You don't have to do any of this stuff yourself or know anything yourself. It lets you focus on the things that are important to you. How can you not sign up for this? I'm just killing me. People are out there hand coding their stuff. Well, if you want to hand code, I guess you could because you have access to the HTML and CSS with their developer account. But anyway, it's 10% off Stooge 6, number 6, over at squarespace.com, integrate with GitHub, Facebook, Twitter. All this stuff is just, it's just in there. Dropbox, you can make an image gallery just by uploading pictures to Dropbox. It's integrated that way. It's amazing. Squarespace.com, Stooge6. Go check them out. Ricky Roma, as played by Al Pacino. Brain compartments smell vaguely of He's. This is his sales pitch in a bar mm-hmm. to uh, Link is the guy's name. This is his sales you know how pitch. how long it took me to get there? A long time. <laughs> They're sitting when there drinking. When you die, you're going to regret the things you don't do. You think you're queer? I'm going to tell you something. We're all queer. This is his sales pitch to this guy who's just sitting in a bar. He every Everywhere he goes, right? Mm-hmm. Everywhere he goes is a sales opportunity for him. Everything, yeah. Now, that's, that's this. he is a flawed character in so many ways. Oh, yeah. One of the ways that he's flawed is that he's always selling to everybody. Mm-hmm. He, it, he, has no, he has no relationship to the whole world outside of the sales. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, that's easy to fall into. I knew these two guys that I worked with. I was their sales engineer and they were the two sales guys and I'd go on sales calls with them. And what I realized is there was 
there was no human being in there, or at least if there was, it was so buried, that they were they were this persona that they put out there. They were the persona. There was nothing, there was nothing else happening outside of that persona that they put out there. It's kind of shocking. Here's another. This is Let's see what this one is. You stupid fucking cunt. Yeah, this is the one I was looking for. You, Williamson, I'm talking to you. You're very R-rated. You just cost me $6,000. $6,000 and one Cadillac. Okay, so here's what happens is um, they, Ricky Roma had closed some sales. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert coming in. Well, yeah, if they haven't seen the movie by now. That's true. Ricky Roma had closed some sales. I'm not going to go into any details about what happened, but... Those sales receipts were not sent down to downtown, okay, by uh, by Kevin Spacey's character, who is uh, Williamson, John Williamson, Williamson, John Williamson, smug, smug, John who Williamson. pretty much runs the office. He doesn't have the ability to fire anybody or do anything. He just kind of runs the office. Mm-hmm. So this is Ricky attacking him. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? You f- Where did you learn your trade, you stupid f- You idiot. Whoever told you that you could work with men? Could I, uh... Oh, I'm gonna have your job, f- I'm going downtown. I'm gonna talk to Mitch and Murray. I'm going to Lemkin. I don't care whose nephew you are, who you know, whose You're going out. I swear to you, hey, you're going... Let's get this done. That's a police officer talking to you. Anyone in this office lives on his wits. I'm going to be with you in a second. What you're hired for is to help us. Does that seem clear to you? To help us, not to fuck us up. To help men who are going out there to try to earn a living, you fairy. You company man. I'll tell you something else. I hope you rip the joint off. I can tell our friend here a little something might help him to catch you. You want to learn the first rule? You'd know if you ever spent a day in your life. You never open your mouth till you know what the shot is. You f***ing child. All right, great scene. Mm. Totally two different worlds here. Mm -hmm. Totally two different worlds here. And each of these characters fundamentally flawed. Sorry. Each of these characters fundamentally flawed. Each of them with tons of problems. All right, let's do some calls because I promised uh, we would do some calls. Who's who's here first? Okay, Kitty first. Kitty. Hello, Dan. Thanks for waiting for an hour. You're welcome. So what's up? You're in San Francisco. You're launching uh, things. I am. You've got a newsletter. What uh, What's going on? Well, given the topic for today, I thought I would call in with a question. I am indeed getting my first newsletter announcement for my new site ready. And I've heard a lot of advice, kind of column A being lead with a personal story and sell later. Column B 
sell right off the bat immediately and don't worry so much about the personal. So I thought I would just call in and see if you had any opinions on that. And so for people who don't know, who are you on Twitter so they can all follow you? I'll put you into the show notes. Uh, on Twitter, I am at Kitty Numnums, K-I-T-T-I-E-N-U-M-N-U-M-S. Got it. Okay, so you'll be in the show notes. So what, what you do is you have a jewelry studio, Studio Kitty, yes. and you are also a system administrator. I am. That's my day job. Two my very different, job, very different things. Very different things. So you're in the show notes, 505.tv slash quit slash 27. Uh, you were nice enough to make a, a beautiful uh, thing for uh, the uh, the ladies here in the office. They, they were beautiful. Thank you so much. So thanks for doing that. Yeah. Easy way to get me to take your call is to send us stuff. <laughs> uh, so you're doing a newsletter. and the new, the, What is the point of the newsletter? The point of the newsletter is to get people to buy your jewelry. That and also just to sort of let them know that this is for real. I'm here to stay. I'm finally doing this thing that I've wanted to do for a very long time and that it's, it's the real deal. Okay. And these, these, uh, the jewelry that you make, which is very nice, I have to say, mm-hmm. very nice stuff. Um, you, you make this stuff on your own and you sell it and you have a website. Who is in, who is signing up for the newsletter? Who has signed up for this? Well, it's initially going to go out to just anybody I know who I think would be okay to get it. And then in the future, it would go to um, anyone who might be an inquiry type person, anyone I might happen to talk to somewhere, be like, hey, you know, the absolute best way to get information isn't just to go to my site, it's to get on the email list so I can get a hold of you. Um, Pretty much any potential sale, but also anybody I might want to work with in the future. Okay, so so not so much existing customers as potential new customers. And you're going to send this newsletter out. And the question is, and I think this is a great question because let me tell you something. Newsletters are big time. They're big time. People still think, Oh, it's all about the Tom blogs. Now it's all about the web. It really isn't. It's all about newsletters. It has been about newsletters. Newsletters are the best. We do newsletters for these shows. You can support this show by signing up for our newsletter, which eventually I'll send out. <laughs> but the thing, the thing is, newsletters are an incredibly straightforward and personal way to get in touch with people. People can sign up for something that they're interested in and they'll get information about it. Uh, I, I, I just love getting a newsletter because it's right there. It's there on your phone. It can be formatted like MailChimp's one of our sponsors, but they, they make the templates that work on all the different devices and iOS stuff. It's just so great, the newsletter thing, because it comes to you and then it's there and you can forward it to someone. You can share it with someone. So your question is, do I, when I start, to, okay, first of all, you need to give people a reason to sign up for the newsletter. That reason might be, you know, like Dave Pell has the uh, the uh, Next Draft newsletter. Is that what that's called? I, th- I always get. Th- I think I get it wrong. Next Draft. That's it. He calls it the day's most fascinating news. You don't get any discounts. You don't get any cool like giveaways or anything. You, something is super straightforward. It's really good links in his writing, and he's good. I get that every day, and there's an iOS app that'll let you see it in there too. Put that in the show notes. And what he what he does 
is he finds the news that's really interesting and he puts it together and you get it. Effortless. But what you're talking about is something that's that's going to tell people about your products. It's going to tell people about your services. That's the goal behind it is to get them to buy something. The way I'm understanding. There's nothing. Don't be. Don't think that that's a bad thing. I want people to go to Squarespace and use the code Stooge Six so that I can keep doing this show. I want people to do that. They have to do that, or I won't be able to do a show anymore. It's that simple. You want people to go and buy your stuff so that you don't have to be a corporate stooge and run a system administrator job. You want to make the cool stuff that you make. Maybe eventually have some helpers making it. Maybe eventually get it on somebody uh, in Hollywood on the red carpet or something. Why not? You know, how are you going to do that? You got to get the word out. Newsletter is a good way to do that, but you have to remember that the people who are going to be reading the newsletter, they have to have a reason to do it. So yes, you can give them cool links. You can talk about cool things, but above and beyond is you want to convert them. Good sales term there. You want to convert them. What that means is take them from I'm reading a newsletter to I'm clicking buy on the site. So really what you want them to do is go to the site. The newsletter is just how do you entertain them and how do you give them something that's an incentive to go and buy something. So the way that you do that is by giving them a discount in the newsletter. You give them a discount. Could be 1%, could be 5%, could be 5 bucks off, could be free shipping. You come up with it. But that's the reason for the, oh, sign up for the newsletter. And, you know, I send that out once a week with all the cool stuff. It shows the cool stuff that I'm making. And also, I give out discounts in there. Oh, I'm signing up for that. I want to buy, you know, I want to buy my, uh, my special lady friend, you know, this one of these things you sell, and I'll sign up for your newsletter. Look, I, I'm signed up for the Banana Republic, Club Monaco, J. Crew, all these stupid newsletters I hate. And the only reason I'm signed up for them is because eventually they're going to give me some 30, 40% discount code that's good for one day from 12 to 2. And I'm going to go buy that <laughs> shirt that I have in my shopping cart. I don't want to read that. They send me a newsletter every day about socks and some stupid, you know, handkerchief. I don't care. But eventually that 40% off one item or something is going to come through. And yeah, I'm waiting for that. You give them a reason. Then you don't need to worry about selling up front, selling at the end. How about this? Don't sell at all, Kitty. Just tell them about your stuff. Because if you have something that's really, really cool, then you don't have to sell. You just have to tell them a little bit about it. Here's an update on this cool thing that I made. Here's how much it is, and here's a link to it, and here's how I made it. See you next week. That's it. It's not selling. It's one message. I made this cool thing. Don't you want to buy it? I know you do. And that's it. (laughs) And get out of there. You do make cool stuff. So it's easy. It should be easy for you Thank to you sell can. it. But here's, here's what I also want you to remember is your job can't be to go out there and promote your newsletter. Like that can't be your job, getting people onto newsletter. You want them on the site. The newsletter is a vehicle. So don't lose, don't lose sight of your goal. Your goal is you're on the site, you're clicking buy. That's the, that is your only goal right now. Get people to click that buy button and check out and give you money so you can make something cool. That's the only thing that you want to be doing. Newsletter, vehicle for that. Don't lose focus, right? Newsletters are going to be good. Now, if you're selling the newsletter, which you're not, 
but I know people who sell newsletters, you know, insider tips and investment guides and, you know, I read those. And some of those you pay for, you have to pay for the quit newsletter because it's the most amazing newsletter in the whole world, even though it hasn't come out yet. That's how amazing it is. That's how amazing it is. Newsletter like that, you don't need all at once. You know, three bucks a month. I'm selling the newsletter, right? So the, the, I want them to subscribe to the newsletter because then I'm going to get three bucks. But you're not selling your newsletter. You want them on the site. So the newsletter is only one way to get them on the site. But you can't be walking around town, sign up for my newsletter because, you know, it's really good. You want them to go to your website. So this is the way you get them on the website. And you do that by saying, listen, you sign up for the newsletter, you're going to get a discount. That's the only way to do it or a coupon or something free, free shipping, whatever you want to do. So listen, are we going to meet next week in San Francisco or what? I am hoping I've chatted a little bit with Hattie uh, before earlier and um, we have a couple tentative times in mind and yeah, we'll talk, we'll talk a little bit more and see if it works out for you guys. All right. Very good. Well, we'll talk more and I'm going to let you go. I got to do, I'm going to take two more calls and then I, I got to get out of here. Thanks for the call, Kitty. Good luck. That's great. Thanks, Kitty. No, thank you, Dan. That was incredibly helpful. All right. Hope so. I like her. She's so cool. She really is cool. I'm going to take Richard. Richard, why are you calling to talk to me about back to work? That's that's a a different uh, show, dude. That's that's a different show. Wrong show. Wrong show, man. I can't talk about back back to Uh, work. I don't even have a lot to say about this all sales thing. All right, well, talk to me about that. I can't talk to you about Back to Work Episode 7. That's, that's the perfect show. There's nothing to say. Well, I got off to talk about sales because uh, I used to be a salesman once. Tough racket. Tough racket, yeah. There it is. Yeah. If that, that, that's, that's, by the way, for people who haven't seen the, uh, for people who haven't seen that entire Alec Baldwin, that's a great, great line from, uh, from that. That's Alec Baldwin. So you, you, were, you were in sales. You're 29 years old. You're in New York City. Yeah. Okay, what did you do? What yeah, did you do? I moved up here in August. Um, my first job out of college was uh, this full-time. It, was, it wasn't even really sales. It was pre-sales. It was cold calling for IT, business-to-business IT pre-sales and lead generation. That's the worst. Oof. Pre-sales is even worse than sales. Pre-sales. Basically, for people who don't know about, and by the way, you sound like you're in a bathroom. Pre-sales, what you're doing is you're calling, usually cold calling, which means you're sitting in a call center, which means you, you, you know, think of a regular size cube. It's a third the size of a regular size cube. It's big enough for your computer to be right in front of you with the little keyboard in front of it and a little phone next to it. That's how, just slightly larger than the arms of your chair. That's, that's what this cube is. And there's probably 50 or 100 of you in one room. There's usually no windows. It's usually dark. And you are calling and you don't even usually get to, to call. You're not dialing the phone. They have systems. And they have, there's something within those called a, a whisper system where you will, you'll be sitting there. And as you sit there, the phone will just – your phone will just ring and you'll get a notification if somebody is called and you then get that call. It's assigned to you. There's a computer in the back room handling the telephone switching system and you just – call is on and you're answering. You're talking to them and then you're, you're pre-qualifying them and trying to get them interested in the thing so that then once they're, they're like, yes, I'm interested in this thing, which nobody ever is. 
what is it about one out of every 200 calls? Would you say actually want to talk to the next guy? Then you pass them on to the actual sales person. It's the worst dude. You're killing me, man. I worked that thing for, for 16 months. Uh, I'm standing in the hallway of my office building. That's here. what I figured. I don't want to disturb my coworkers. That's a, very nice of you. So, um, <laughs> to, yeah, and it was after 16 months, they told me to get, to get the hell out. And, they told you and, to get out? Yeah. Why? No, Why? Well, well, didn't exactly break my heart. What were you doing wrong? I can't quite figure it out. I'm... Because here's, here's the thing that drove me nuts about that job is that I everything felt like it was completely out of my hands. No matter what I did, no matter when I called, no matter how I pitched something, probably didn't help that I didn't believe in the product I was mm. showing for some microsystems. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Pitching their, 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 at the time, new line of Windows servers. Now you you used to work at IT. You know, Sun Microsystems and Windows, two great things that don't go better together. <laughs> We used to have something called back in the Windows for Workgroup days. We used to have uh, our file servers were uh, SunOS four one four four one three, and in order to get that shared out to all of the Windows for Workgroup systems as a shared drive, we used to have to use something called the Beam Demon. I don't remember anything else about it except that the thing crashed at least once every two or three days. And when it would, every single person, all two, 300 people on their Windows machines would get an error message on their screen saying that their drive had detached. It was terrible, man. Terrible days. Terrible days. All right, so do you, do you have a question? I got, um, all right, ask me your question because I got yeah, I got to talk to Marianne. I promised her I would take her call. She's calling from Asheville, which is a great, great city. Kind of like a mini Austin in North Carolina. I didn't really have a question. I just had an experience to share about the uh, the pain of the uh, the gig. Yeah. Well, I, I love hearing about it. So what are you, what are you doing now? I'm doing social media for a startup company in uh, Manhattan. What does that mean, doing social media? Like you tweet people? I'm doing Facebook. I'm what doing is it, like you run a Facebook account or what? Is that a real job? I'm seriously uh, asking. I'm legitimate. Uh, school me here. <laughs> I always hear this. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm a social media I'm a social media expert. Well, what is that? Is that like the next generation of the SEO I'm no expert. expert? What do you do? Oh, I'm no expert. Now, we, we, do, we put together a lot of newsletters, of email newsletters. Big business. I'm telling you, newsletters is a big business. Yeah. Do you just sit on Twitter and tweet people or what? Be honest. No, I put together the newsletters. I reach out to people who are in trouble with our product. I do, uh, try to get people to use the site more. So like if, if I have a problem and I tweet about it or I send an email, you can, you're the guy that steps in and says, oh man, I'm really sorry. Let me fix that. Let me make, make you happy. Yeah. It's like a, like a happiness engineer. My- yeah, it's a much more fulfilling job than what I was doing back when I uh, sent the BTW uh, email in. Because <laughs> instead of harassing people, you're helping people. Well, when I was when I was working doing my email methods at seven, I was a government stooge working a clerk job. But yeah, so, the only the last thing I want to say in that, but not believing in what you're selling. I also worked part-time for a theater in Sony. I sold theater subscriptions and did fundraising. And that was a completely different experience. Yeah. Because it was a time I could actually get behind. 
and talking with people and actually closing them. But I still don't want to ever have to do cold calling again for the rest of my life. Yeah, I don't blame Not you. I don't it. blame you. Well, listen, thanks for the call. I'm going to let you go, Richard. I appreciate it. Good luck to you. Thank you, Dan. Bye. You know, cold, I'm sorry. Cold calling is, is the worst. It's not even sales. That's not sales. Yeah. When you do cold calling, pre-sales especially, you're ev- everybody hates you. Nothing is, nothing is worse than cold calling. I, I mean, I'm telling you this. Can't imagine anything worse. So bad. Mm. It's the least rewarding. There's no rewards for it. If you've, been, if you've done a really, really good job, they didn't hang up on you. Mm-hmm. Mariana, 28 years old, Asheville, North Carolina. What's it like there in Asheville today, Mariana? It's really pretty. Oh. You know, it's had that nice, cool air blowing through. Are you the Mariana that always finds the, the, the three or four good things that I say over the course of 90 minutes and tweets them? <laughs> That's it. That's me. Okay. I love you. You're the best. Thank you for doing that. <laughs> I can talk for 90 minutes. And at the end of it, I'm like, man, I didn't say anything good. And then she tweets out like something. And I'm like, I, I said that? <laughs> Am I following you? you? Oh, I'm now, now I'm following you. I'm sorry I wasn't following you. And you, you, work at oh, a mar- okay. you work at a marketing agency. I do. Listen to her voice. I do, I do. She sounds very clear. I've just discovered a, a talent here, I think. <laughs> well, I used to be a teacher, and so we use Twitter as kind of a backseat for notes and that kind of thing. So anytime I'm listening to a podcast, that's how I use it. Okay. All right. So I went from being a teacher, I, I ended up in a technology teaching position where they were just using it as a typing class using the computer keyboards that Merlin had that sounded like <laughs> I used the ones in fifth grade. Right. And I decided, I decided, you know what, let's, let's do something else with this. And so taught blogging and we ended up running the Twitter account for the school mm-hmm. and different things like that, trying to give them some useful skills that actually turned out. That's how I got my job is being able to, kind of sell myself as a marketing person when I'm really a teacher probably. <laughs> but you see, I think I think that this is going to sound really weird because I think that there's obvious exceptions to this. But sometimes coming from a completely different industry gives you a totally different perspective on the thing that you're mm-hmm. you're coming into. And I hear this all the time from people who are like, you know, they'll call into the show and they'll say, "Oh, man, you know, I was, I worked in, you know, I ran a printing press and I really want to get into computers or, you know, my degree is in English and I really want to go into computers or whatever. And that computers, I just said twice, but there's, you know, you're, you're an example of going from teaching to marketing to social media. But if you under what, what the common thread is to me, it sounds like for you is the communication aspect, the explanation aspect. You know, and the goal and the way that you frame it is so different when you're coming from teaching because, you know, my, my mom was a teacher all her life. And marketing, see, marketing, I think, gets a, gets a bum rap these days. Marketing is it so imp- it's so important. And that's what we were talking about at the beginning of the show. Marketing is not sales, but they're so related. For people who don't like the cold yeah. calling stuff, right, they could mm-hmm. do marketing, right? Right, and I always... I always say to my clients that I'm trying to sell to, you know, I, I taught a lot of third graders 
convince them how to read. And if you can convince the third grader that it's fun to read when they start the year throwing erasers at you, then probably you can sell anything. <laughs> right. That kind of patience. I mean, and, and, <laughs> what age kids did you teach? Well, well, I started out in second grade and third grade in high poverty schools. So it was, I mean, I've got some stories from that. Still Man. recovery. <laughs> but then I ended up in an independent school and that's where they had the technology class and actually kind of changed routes because they eliminated the whole technology department at the school in uh, 2010, which I thought was crazy. <laughs> so, um, they had some other jobs that maybe I could have taken, but I, I decided to go the marketing route and see if I could make it and ended up at this agency. Harrelson agency is the name of the agency I'm working for now. And I was doing accounts. And so I was doing a lot of our small, smaller clients who were just kind of getting to know what SEO was and getting to know what social media was and trying to work out, okay, can I use this? And can we hire you guys to tell our story and to tell our passion? Because I feel self-promoting when I do that. And that was awesome for me. You know, I really found that to be really great. But then I also found that I couldn't really keep my head above water when we get into the real tech clients that we work with. Um, I just don't have that experience. So I could tell people about social media and kind of teach them about that. But in the whole marketing world, I was getting kind of eaten alive. <laughs> I think I was too nice. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> and now, so, now so you're this, doing, I'm, actually, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh yeah. So I was going to tell you, I'm about to transfer and actually, um, that so the Harrelson agency is a part of a, a parent company. And so I'm going to be moving to Harrelson press as their editor. So, finding stories and publishing eBooks uh, and interviewing people. And we're doing different anthologies too. So our first anthology coming out is called my hardest year of teaching and why I didn't quit. <laughs> and so it's going to be kind of a compilation of essays from the classroom, just because there's been so much bad press about teachers. And, you know, you just, when you hear the stories of Sandy Hook and different things, they followed protocol. You know, those teachers were trained to do exactly what they we're supposed to do. And, you know, I had the same training and would have done the same thing, hopefully, you know, if that had happened and people don't talk about that and what classroom teachers are experiencing now. So to be able to use this marketing experience and also social media, but also my teaching background and combine it into something that, you know, might change public perception or change the way people even teach their, their child's teacher sounds really interesting. I just don't know if it's going to make it. So how do you go from being someone who's working for an agency with someone, uh, the president, Sam Harrelson, who's been in marketing forever, is a Google developer, as an Apple developer, you know, all of these certifications that I certainly don't have, to having your own project. Yeah, you have the safety net of working with a company, but how do I make that my own when I've always worked for someone? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a really good question. And I think it applies in a broader sense of, you know, you're you're you've made a couple career changes now or, it, you know, you've made one big one and now you're kind of tweaking it right. again. Right. And you're saying, OK, now, are you still going to be working full time at the, the place that you're at? Or are you saying you're going to be doing this completely full time on your own or or just running a project within the context of the, the place where you are now? No, I'll move full-time to Harrelson Press. Okay. I mean, I have clients that are that are authors, and so I might keep a couple of clients, but 
you know, if they don't refund the contract, that's not going to be money. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, gosh, this is, this is an interesting one. You know, I think people, a lot of, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, and I feel like what I've found is that there is this niche that I can fit into the marketing world based on my experience and based on the people that I've encountered who have great stories, who have great experiences and just don't have the expertise to market and sell those to people or to do, you know, audience analysis. And I feel like I can do it for these people I've encountered so far. Right. And that's the thing is that you're bringing your own perspective to this and you've got a very, very different perspective and that's what you need to play off of. And that's the same thing that all these people who are like, oh, I've been doing this job that it doesn't really anything like what I really want to be doing. But there's stuff that you've learned that the people who have just done that one job their whole time or just come out of college with a degree and think they know everything where you're going to be able to like, no, 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 this is this is something that I know that you don't know because I've been in this space that's different. But here's what I've learned. And here's why I have that advantage. You know, you're you're going to be a person who's easy to talk to. Your motivations are going to be completely different. Because you're in, you know, I remember this when I was in college, I just wanted to get the hell out of there. How soon can I get this degree and be done? I wasn't in it to learn anything. I wanted to get out. I wanted to get my job. I wanted to make money so that I could pay off my bills and so that I could start my, what I thought was start my life. Mm -hmm. And then there were other people who were in there who had come back to college or maybe they'd graduated high school and they'd been working for five years or more. And then they'd gone back to school. They cared. I wanted to write the paper so I could get the grade so I could get out. They wanted to write the paper because they were interested and they wanted to do a good job. Now I wanted to do a good job because I wanted to get the grade because I wanted to get out. They wanted to do a good job because they were interested. They wanted to learn something. They wanted to understand what the teacher was talking about. And the teacher loved them. Because they cared. They wanted to, they, you know, when that, when that class ended, I was out the door, man. I'd sit by the door. Let me out. <laughs> they would sit up in the front and they'd go talk to the professor after mm-hmm. them. Like, what are they doing now? They just want to get a good grade. No, they cared. And you're going to have that kind of perspective because you're coming to it from that different background. You can sit in a room with, three, with third graders. Forget it. You'll be able to sit down with any of these, uh, you know, long-winded writers and stuff helping them. I mean, I think your focus has to be not, gosh, I don't have the certifications. I haven't been doing this for very long. You can come into it the complete opposite way. And this goes for everybody's listening who's making some kind of transition. I'm I'm going to do a very good job because this is what I want to be doing. Mm. This is the thing that I have chosen to do. I didn't just fall into it. I'm not just kind of stuck there because – no – I said, you know, this other thing that I was doing, I learned a lot, but I learned that it wasn't right for me. This is what I want to be doing. I'd hire somebody like that in a heartbeat. I'd want to work with somebody like that in a heartbeat who says, wow, they're actually taking that risk to do the thing that they really like. And it's not what they were trained in. It's not what they know about. Oh, man. Yeah, I'll hire her. Yeah, I want to work with her. And you know what? You're not afraid to say, oh, I I don't know. I got to go figure it out. Like, you'll go figure it out, you know? Yeah, All I was right. going to say, so when you have your book ready, just send it our way. I'll send, I'll send <laughs> you the book. You're in Asheville, North Carolina. Beautiful uh, town. I've been there a number of times. Now, you probably don't go to the Biltmore that much, do you? Yeah, that's where my pup and I go running. Oh, my God. I love the Biltmore. I've been there several times. Did, it's actually, so good. 
Yeah, I just did a race there too. It's gorgeous. Did you really? Man, I love that yeah. place. I love that place. Well, just come on. All right, I'll come out there. When you when should we come out there? We'll do an event there. Just in the Biltmore. Sounds great. Just an impromptu. Yeah. Event. It'll be like a flash mob <laughs> in the Biltmore. All right, listen, Mariana, thank you for uh, for consistently tweeting the the one or two good things I say each week. And uh, thanks for listening and good luck. Call back. Let us know how the transition goes. All right. Sounds good. Thanks. All right, thank you. Good luck. Someone suggested that we do T-shirts. People I'm worried about. People I'm not worried about. <laughs> so the one T-shirt would say, Dan's worried about me. And the other one would say, Dan's not worried about me. I think that's perfect. It would be a good idea. I'm doing it. Anyway, she's good. Uh, I think she's going to be fine. Listen, there's something else. Thanks for reminding me. I got to uh, promote this, this cool thing that's going on next week at WWDC. So if you're going to be in, in San Francisco attending the conference or not attending the conference, this is right up my alley. I don't know. I think this is exactly what I want to see. It's at 8 p.m. on Monday, June 10th. 8 p.m. Monday, June 10th at the AMC Metreon 16, which is at, uh, I know you're writing this down, 101 4th Street. 8 p.m. Monday is this thing called Computer Chess. This is a free screening of this new movie. Free. That's not bad. Let me, here's the, here's the description of computer chess. I was going to do like a promo voice. I'm just going to read it. Set it over the course of a weekend tournament for chess software programmers more than 30 years ago. Remember this? This was like computer chess. It was like a computer that can play chess. Computer chess transports viewers to a nostalgic moment when the contest between technology and the human spirit seemed a little more up for grabs. Because now everybody knows computers are better at chess. Everybody knows that. We get to know the eccentric geniuses possessed of the vision to teach a mental box to defeat man, literally, at his own game, laying the groundwork for artificial intelligence as we know it and will come to know it in the future. This is a very cool thing. First come, first serve. I don't have here in my notes how many people are allowed in, so you've got to get there early. This is Computer Chess. It's a great, great film. We'll put a link to the, uh, to the preview movie into the show notes. 8 p.m. Monday, go check it out, AMC Metreon. But that's it. You've been telling me for 10 minutes that I'm all over time because I'm going to go drop off my car. Remember how I, I said, you remember how I said, do you remember how I said that it was gonna, I was going to win this thing mm-hmm. with this uh, wacko who uh, ran the, the stop sign and hit my car? Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. I took pictures. I mean, I used Google Maps to take the pictures, mm-hmm. but I sent pictures of the intersection, which she said she turned in to get into the parking lot and how she said, oh, I didn't drive down alongside the parking lot. And I, I turned in there. I sent them pictures showing out what she was saying was impossible because the concrete dividing median there. Mm-hmm. And I showed how where I was, showed where she was, did all this stuff, went back and forth. The thing finally I go back and the guy calls me. He's like, uh, apparently she was a little confused. And in fact, she did. Uh, drive through the parking lot. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and uh, we're going to go ahead and admit fault for this and you can go get your car fixed. What a surprise that I feel like you need like a dinger, like a, where's my, where's my Merlin bell? I won. There's my Merlin bell. So, all right. Yeah. This is the thing. If, if, if you hit somebody else and it's your fault, fess up. Cause I could have got this car fixed a week ago. She's just going to wind up admitting it anyway. It's not your word against their word if there's a concrete median dividing the road that means you can't drive over and turn into. Come on. Come on. 
You think you can get that past me? She couldn't tell when she was standing across from me when I walked over and said, see this right here? This is called a painted stop sign. It means you got to stop. At an intersection where people are coming and going and turning in, you don't think you have to stop? You can fly through the parking lot at 25 miles an hour? It hits someone? Oh, well, I, wasn't, I didn't actually turn there. Really? You got her. Well, she, I mean, what is she going to do? How much can you lie about this? It, yeah, it's ridiculous. Don't lie. Don't lie, people. Just said, you know, you hit somebody, you just, yeah, it was my fault. If it's really you, if you really think that it's not your fault, then say, look, let's, let's call the cops out. Because I didn't do anything wrong. Let's let them take some pictures. You know? Otherwise, like, oh, man, I'm so sorry. Ryan. Here's my insurance information and, uh, you know, I, I, I'm going to corroborate your story. It was my fault. Or just drive better. That could have been much worse if I hadn't turned the wheel the way. And there yeah. was some guy who tweeted me. He's like, uh, don't you mean you turned the wheel in the... No. Turned the wheel left to try and go parallel with her car. That's what I tried to do. I know exactly what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I, I don't know if Moises is going to be at this computer chess thing, but... Somebody else is calling in. I can't take your call. Sorry. I'm going to take their call anyway. Okay, who is this? Is this hey, Dan, this is anchor guy Chris. Oh man, you're call- I want to hear from you, but you're calling it right at the end of the show, man. I'm late. I'm late to take my uh, call. No, I got in. to too late. I'm sorry. All right, make it fast. I want to hear what's going on with you. You got to make it fast, and you we call. You can call back next week, but give us a little preview. Well, I got fired, and I came straight home and started writing a novel. I've been working on it every day, consistently, when my wife's away at work. And, uh, does she know about it? Pretty good. Does she know about the novel? Oh yeah. Okay. She does. She, she's not convinced uh, that I'll be a novelist yet, but uh, that's not stopping me from trying. Can and you... I got a career career fair tomorrow. I'm going to check out uh, for some green sector jobs. Life's good, man. I, I really feel good. You sound so much better than before. Less Thank angry. You. Yeah, so much better. less angry. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're probably sitting at home in your pajamas all day watching, you know, TV, writing books and eating, uh, you know, eating Fruit, Cheetos or something. Yeah. But I mean, who's not going to feel better? No. But uh, but so tell me oh, about your polo book. shirt, tie, slacks, loafers, man, I'm, I'm dressed up. I got a jacket on, man. A sport coat or? A... I'm doing work. Oh, yeah. Blue, maybe blue sport coat. OK, because remember, you don't want to wear it. People always do this. You don't want to wear. There's two rules with a suit. OK. And I'm, I'm going to say there's only two rules with a suit. The first rule of suit wearing is you don't wear the pants without the jacket. People will do this. They'll lounge around in the pants, in the suit pants, and the jacket's hung up over there. You don't want to do that. You wear it as a suit. If you're going to be lounging around, get changed in your lounging around wear, whatever that is. First of all. I think Martin said that best in my blue heaven. Thank you. You know what? They did talk about that, and that was a great scene. You're right. Uh, That's the scene. So he takes Rick Moranis to get a nice nice suit for a change instead of the crappy FBI stuff he was wearing. Right? This I love that. What a great movie. I haven't thought about that movie in years. That's actually the continuation of the Henry Hill story. Did you know this? That is the same as Goodfellas. This is basically a sequel to Goodfellas. It's the same. It comes from the same source, the same book. And this is what happens when Henry Hill goes to live off in the suburbs, okay, in the witness protection program. 
except they made it funny and they get Steve Martin to play him. I don't know if all the shenanigans that happened there are true, but that was the continuation of the movie. People don't know that. Anyway, he takes Rick Moranis because they got to go to New York because uh, uh, Steve Martin's character has to testify. So they take him to New York. And when he's in New York, he's like, I can't be seen with you looking at, like this, Rick. So he gets Rick Moranis a really good suit. And he that's right. He explains that there too. Nice. Nice reference. Okay. Number two, people will do this. They'll take the suit jacket and they'll wear it around like a sport coat. Like that's okay. No. A suit is one thing. It's one garment of clothing. And just because it's not sewn, the pants are not sewn onto the jacket, you can't wear them separately. You can't take a, oh, I'm just, I want some gray slacks, so I'm going to wear these suit pants. Or, oh, I need a, you know, I need a gray jacket to wear today. I'm just going to go grab this one and I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to wear it like a sport coat. No. The cut is different. The lines are different. And then you're doing the same thing you're doing with the pants where you're wearing it out. You're wearing it at the wrong time. Go get a proper sport coat. It does not have to be a blue blazer. Blazers are great. Gold buttons have their place. I can't pull off that look. I wind up looking at uh, like uh, Judge Smales in uh, Caddyshack when he gets his little boat. Okay, so I can't do that. Or, or you can really rock it and you can wear a pair of white pants right? White pants and a blue blazer with a little captain's hat. That, I could do that. I could pull that off, but I can't do a blue blazer. No one would take me seriously. I usually go with like a a dark gray or I actually have a light gray one now. I used to have a nice brown one. People can pull off a houndstooth. Jesse Thorne is a boss in his sport coat. He's the king of the sport coat. So I hope you're not, I hope you're not wearing a sport coat around. No, I said blue blazer and gray slacks. Neither one of them is part of a suit. Oh, it's perfect. Item. It's perfect. Yeah. All right. So listen, call in next week and give me an update. Where you get to send me a draft of your book. I'll tell you what. If this book is uh, is half yeah. is halfway decent, you can hire me. I'll do the audio uh, book version of it. If it's good, wow. only if it's good. Wow. Is it a murder mystery? Uh, no, Dan. It's uh, called Machine Tool. Little uh, play on words for a uh, stooge tool. Yeah. And so on. I was working in the machinery business. And no, mur- no murders. Could you put a murder in? I'm just telling you. I'm an idea guy. You're gonna have to run with this. But it put a murder in the book, and somehow figure out how to work that in, and uh, it'll sell. It's everyone wants to hear. I'll about run it that. by my people. Yeah. Just send it. Send it up the chain. All right, man. Listen. Call in next week, and uh, and 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 we'll talk more. But good luck to you. Okay. Yeah. Good luck with the car. Thanks, man. I'm glad for him. He sounds much happier. All yeah. right, we got to go. Squarespace.com, Stooge 6, uh, 5x5.tv, slash quit, slash 27, uh, WWDC next week. What's the other one? You're do- Twitter, something with- Twitter, Dan Benjamin. Right. I'm Dan Benjamin on Twitter. You are now, you've got a new uh, Twitter handle. Same am, account. But- yes. I am Danielle Moser. I have upgraded to an adult name. So Danielle, and then how do we spell your name? Moser, last M-O-S-E-R. Okay. Like uh, Bulldozer. Bulldozer, Daniel, bulldozer, mm-hmm. the bulldozer. That was my nickname in high school. The bulldozer. I'm not going to tell you why. That's okay. not for why you think. Well, I did. I don't know why I think. Okay. Uh, so the links and all the stuff. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Go watch this on Netflix. Amazing film. It. And uh, if you have questions or feedback, you can go to five by five TV slash contact. Pick quit. Danielle and I will both get it. She's helping me uh, 
find his Quinn romance novel. <laughs> Uh, she'll help me find the uh, the good stuff. We're going to be doing some more with that. We're going to have some great guests lined up. Next week I'll be in WWDC, but I'm still going to try and record an episode of this. I don't know if we'll be able to do calls or not, but we'll see. Uh, maybe I'll have some cool people who can join me in the studio. Who knows? Anything could happen. Anything could happen in San Francisco, and what happens in San Francisco stays in San Francisco. I don't know if you knew that. So uh, <laughs> thanks, everybody, for tuning in. See you next week.